mobilize the expertise of others and share collective wisdom. And so if we are engaging with folks and saying not, hey, competitor B, here's what competitor A is doing, like we don't do that, that wouldn't be the appropriate thing to do. But if we're learning best practices from a group of our members and sharing those broadly or sharing those one-on-one, that's really gonna, gonna help people. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. Today on episode 618 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with Jim Roddy, president and CEO of the Retail Solutions Provider Association. In today's episode, Jim shares his perspective on leading a B2B association. There are many lessons we can apply to our own leadership. Stay with us to hear all the details. Jim also shares many examples of the benefits of being part of a community of colleagues. We launched the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can experience the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. In the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Now let's welcome Jim Roddy. Jim is the president and CEO of the Retail Solution Providers Association. He has been active in the retail IT industry since 1998 including 11 years as the president of Business Solutions Magazine, six years as an RSPA board member, and several years as an industry business coach. Jim has been recognized as one of the world's top 100 retail influencers and is regularly requested to speak at industry conferences on SMB best practices. He's the author of two books, The Walk-On Method to Career and Business Success and Hire Like You Just Beat Cancer and is host of the award-winning RSPA Trusted Advisor podcast. Jim, welcome back to the show. David, thanks for having me back. Great to talk with you again. So since you were last on the show, you've had a big transition in your career, and um, I'd love to hear a little bit about it. Sure. Uh, So starting uh, January 6th of uh, 2022, that was my first day as the president and CEO of, as you mentioned, the the RSPA. So the three years prior, I served the association as a business coach and the VP of marketing. And then for many years before that, going all the way back to uh, 2005, 2006 timeframe, I was a volunteer for the association. So uh, it's been a long road, but it's also been a quick uh, transition uh, at the same time. And is the association a nonprofit? It is, yeah. RSPA is a nonprofit uh, organization. In 2023, we will celebrate our 75th anniversary. It was originally started uh, by a group of uh, NCR dealers, the folks who installed and serviced all the cash registers uh, throughout the United States and obviously have made some changes and some adaptations uh, since then to embrace all technologies in in the greater retail space. Wow. What's it like going from being a volunteer to being on staff? and then being the CEO. 
I, you know, it's been interesting. I, I'd say there was kind of a hybrid of it because when, well, I guess I'll take you all the way back. When I first started volunteering, I was with Business Solutions Magazine. Parent company was Jameson Publishing. And we were working with, you know, other people who were on some of these committees that we volunteered for or with some of the biggest of the big companies like NCR and HP and Ingram Micro, right? And so Epson. And so like, it's almost intimidating, right, to walk into that environment. But one thing that I learned early on is people are people, whether you're a Fortune 100 company or whether you're a Fortune 2 million company, right? You know, people are people. Execution is execution. Asking questions is important. Listening is important. Following through on your commitments and accountability. And so after getting over that initial, wow, this isn't magic and people at these big companies don't, you know, have some formula or, you know, magic wand that uh, us in the SMB space don't have. It was just a matter of, you know, doing the things that we knew that made businesses move forward. And I guess the, the difference now is like back then we were working and saying, well, what can we do for the best interest of the association from an outside standpoint? But you could only go so far, right? As a volunteer, you couldn't be in, you know, the, uh, in the room with the staff actually executing on it. Well, now, you know, I'm with the team and we have to execute on it, right? And so we have to follow through and there's nobody else for us to look at outside of us in order to to move the ball forward. But um, that's, that's I, guess, I guess, how I would describe from going from all the way on the outside uh, to now being uh, a member of a great nine-person team uh, tasked with making this association as valuable for our members as possible. Wow, that's great. What's the um, the profile of the membership? Uh, sure. So uh, our members are technology solution providers who play in the greater retail space. So that would be specialty retailer, mass retail, uh, restaurants, hotels, grocery, convenience store, and cannabis is a new emerging market as well. And so the technology solution providers can be uh, the hardware manufacturers that I think a lot of people would be familiar with. There's also folks who distribute those products. There are the software developers. And then the core of our organization are the value-added resellers. So those are the local or regional individuals who are on-site making the sales to, again, the restaurant, retailer, et cetera, helping them determine what is the best solution for them, and then going back and bundling it all together, installing it, servicing it, things of that nature. And so those are kind of the core, but we also get, you know, our members get into payment processing and online ordering and, you know, back-end logistics and loyalty programs and everything related to that. So any technology that a retailer uh, could touch or could use, we have the folks who uh, design it, implement it, and service it. That's that's the makeup of the organization, a total B2B organization, all business to business. Got it. Got it. And yeah, technology is a big part of retail nowadays. For sure. Yeah. And it really oftentimes now is a differentiator if somebody has good technology versus bad technology. And I don't just mean the point of sale system works faster. Like that used to be what it was, but now is everything integrated that you can, you know, order online, you can find what's in your store, right? Everybody has that expectation. You know, I'm going to go buy some office supplies. I want to find out do they actually have it in stock? And so technology ties all that together. And it's way, way, way easier said than done. That's for sure. <laughs> I was going to say this. It's um, I can just imagine how complicated some of these uh, systems are and some of the hardware is that goes along with it. 
Yeah. And especially since, you know, retailers don't have a ton of money just to throw around that they can't say, you know what, our current retail IT system, we're going to destroy all that and we're going to implement something brand new, right? It's always marrying legacy hardware, legacy software with some of the newer applications. And that's where things, again, even if it was starting from scratch, it'd be really difficult and complex. But when you're trying to marry all these legacy systems together and then you have an acquisition, right? You have a new store who comes on, uh, things of that nature, it becomes more complex. And that's really the power in the RSPA community is that we have those trusted solution providers who can learn from each other, who have the experience, they can find out the new products and make sure uh, that the retailers don't have to go it alone. Mm -hmm. Now, as a B2B association, how do you deal with the fact that your members are often direct or indirect competitors of one another? You need to be able to provide value to them. And I would assume that as an association, the collaboration is probably a big aspect of, of how you provide value. So you need to be able to get members to collaborate, but yet at the same time, they're also competitors. No, that's a great question. And so while they are competitive, I'd say all of our members also take the approach in terms of if we make everybody in this ecosystem healthy, especially those value-added resellers and especially the startup software developers as well, right? Those are the folks oftentimes who are on the front lines with those retailers, with those restaurants as well. And so these competitors know if all they do is go after each other and cut each other down, that's not helping the rest of the community. And so they will oftentimes, yeah, they'll have some things that they compete on, whether it's product or their booth or their sales pitch, but they will come together, like literally sit next to each other at a table and strategize together. What can we do in the best interest of our greater partner community? And I still like, I can go back in my mental time machine 12 years ago at one of our shows, it's just started off the lunch period and the education committee was meeting and you had two of our biggest distributors inside the, uh, inside this industry, right? Folks who go after each other every single day. I mean, sitting elbow to elbow with each other and saying, here's an idea and here's how I can help. And here's how I can help. And that'd be great. We need to talk about this more. And you're thinking, man, if I didn't know who you guys were with, I'd think you were all, you know, part of the same team. And the reality is we are all part of the same team, right? It's almost like getting back to the human side of it. Like, why do we keep fighting with each other? We're all part of, you know, humankind and we're all tasked to move things forward as opposed to trying trying to destroy each other. So maybe, I, maybe I'm taking that a little bit further and more philosophical uh, than I should have. But this community, while it does have a lot of competitors inside, it does not have that feel to it that folks are, uh, you know, trying to poke at one another. They're really trying to do the rising tide lifts all boats. Um, so as the CEO of the, of the mothership, how do you foster this culture of collaboration? Because I, I would imagine it's not so simple. Well, the good news is it's been now 73 plus years in the making, right? And so that's, I guess, the big thing is I, you know, as the CEO, I have certain responsibilities, but one of them isn't like some turnaround effort, right? This is a very, very generous and strong community and generous in terms of their time and their insights that they'll share. And that's just kind of how people behave to be part of this 
group. And so I almost feel like we just need to keep that going and keep reminding everybody in terms of that's kind of how we roll and that's how the peer pressure is inside of the organization, right? There's not many people that we have to pull them off to the side and say, no, you need to behave this way uh, because everybody really does recognize if I'm going to be part of this association, I can't just go in there and use it to take leads, right? I'm using it to see how can I help the membership? How can I help everybody in this group and understand at times they have to put the uh, the competitiveness aside. So uh, certainly light lifting on my part, if any lifting whatsoever, it's really more encouraging the folks who continue to do the great things for the community and holding them up as an example. It's So it's more of a power by positive example than needing to do any any correction that we need to as a staff. And given your experience, Jim, as a volunteer and coming on staff and now leading the organization, what do you see as some of the ways in which somebody in your shoes can motivate a what essentially is a, a community and membership organization to foster that sense of belonging and the sense of collaboration. And again, the culture is already there, but you need to continue to foster the culture of, we want to do this to help everybody in the community. So how do you, what are some of the ways you see that um, and anybody who might be involved in leading a community or a membership can use some of those, uh, the same ideas and the same concepts. Yeah. So I, uh, have known for years and I don't know if I, you know, learned this from somebody, I feel bad cause I won't be able to give them credit for it, but it's, there's no substitute for a competent person getting closer to a situation. And so the way that you foster anything that you want from a culture standpoint is you, I mean, again, you have to get competent first, but get close to that situation. And so that comes down to engagement and individual one-on-one engagement is really at the core of it. And then, so that's one element of it. So I have to play a role in terms of staying in touch with our members, whether it's through conversations at shows, phone calls, video calls, you know, board meetings, things of that nature, these small group settings. But then there's also making sure in the larger group settings that we are promoting what we see as best practices that we've learned oftentimes from the rest of our community. You know, I'm still playing a role as a business coach that's kind of on hold right now as we're transitioning, you know, into the CEO role. But I still have a note on my wall over here to the right that says my job, and this really comes down from an RSP standpoint, mobilize the expertise of others and share collective wisdom. And so if we are engaging with folks and saying not, hey, competitor B, here's what competitor A is doing, like we don't do that. That wouldn't be the appropriate thing to do. But if we're learning best practices from a group of our members and sharing those broadly or sharing those one-on-one, that's really going to help people. And so even though my role has changed from being, you know, full-time business coach and VP of marketing at, at CEO, I still hearken back to a very early conversation I had uh, with Chris Arnold, who is our marketing communications director. And after a few weeks here full-time, he and I talked through yeah, I know it says marketing. I know we do blogs. I know we do social media. I know we do podcasts. I know we do emails and all that stuff. But our job is engagement, right? Like we are responsible for maximizing the engagement. And that is really one of the things that we've talked about as a team. We've actually added to our staff in order to do that, adding more member services managers, right? So we have people who their job is to take care of our current members every single day. And they have a regular cadence that they reach out to them, build a relationship with them and expose them to the long list of uh, member benefits that we have that they know about our online and in-person events 
events. They make warm introductions to other members, right? We always say we're not one of those associations that we're like, hey, your check cleared. Good luck. Go get them, Tiger. You know, hopefully you'll renew in a year, right? We make sure that we have an onboarding and really a personal concierge service because it is a tough business to navigate. They don't know all the new members who are coming in. And so we see it as our responsibility to help make those connections. So maybe a way longer answer than what you were what you were looking for. But again, it's engagement, 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 starts one-on-one, and then it's broad, and then it's got to be something that uh, that is relentless. It's something you do every day. You never say, we're done. Everybody's fully engaged because, you know, things change, members change, needs change, and, and you got to keep up with it. Yeah. If, Jim, have you seen any challenges regarding engagement that have emerged as a result of so much remote work going on in the last two years? Uh, for sure. So we uh, have two annual events. We have a winter conference that is a leadership conference, draws about 200 people. And then we have an annual uh, trade show that draws about 2,000 people. So in summer of 2020, we couldn't have our trade show. In winter of 2021, we couldn't have that leadership conference. But then we did get to have our event, our summer conference that draws about 2,000 people. And Individuals, I, you know, I've been around this space for a long time, and so I know a lot of these people. To see a bunch of grown-ups and a bunch of grizzled veterans, like giddy that the fact that they're able to bump into people and that you finally have these serendipitous conversations that you forgot that you were missing, right? Because if you just show up for work every day, you don't realize what you're you're missing out on. And so we see the lack of in-person events has has harmed in that area. And so what do we do, right? And this is for any business person. You just kind of shrug your shoulders and just say, well, life's tough. You know, how are we gonna? How, I guess we're just not going to have that until the in-person events come back. The way that we pivoted was we started online community roundtables. And so we'd invite all our members to get together early on in COVID. It was just people getting together going like, ah, what's going on? What do we do? How bad is it for you? And then we started making those a little bit more formalized and having specific topics for them. But we're trying to do that as much as we can. We've also created some sub-communities, like we have a cannabis community, a software developer community, and those folks get together every you know four to six weeks, and they're able to turn on their video cameras and, and do things of that nature. So the lack of in-person events has reduced it. Online doesn't, you know, equal in-person events by any means whatsoever, but we're at least making a dent in it to try to keep keep that from happening. My biggest concern is from the people who work in an office because you don't have that serendipitous water cooler conversation. And because that happens every day, five days a week, multiple times a day, that is really, really difficult to uh, to recreate. So that's one of our leadership team's tasks, I think, inside of the RSPA. And I think for other organizations is to figure out how can you have a book on my shelf called Leading From Anywhere? How can you lead from anywhere? How do you have a strong culture that cuts through, you know, all the online meetings. And then when people aren't connected, uh, like they usually are sitting next to each other in a workspace. Yeah, I was going to say, so do you have any tips about how, particularly since we've experienced this explosion of online interaction, any, any tips on what may foster engagement in an online format that you weren't using before because you didn't have to? Sure. I was going to go back to there's no substitute for a competent person getting closer uh, to a situation, right? Like that always seems to be the answer, especially from a management uh, or leadership standpoint. So what I would say is, so I've always been a big fan of one-on-one individual casual frequent meetings uh, with your direct 
reports, right? That it's not some agenda that you have and it's working on the tasks of the day, but talking about their biggest challenges, what questions, what broader questions do they have? So I've always felt those are important, but you could cut into those because if you were in the office bumping into each other, you have a bunch of small conversations that maybe led up to that. But I'd say now, because you're missing out on those small conversations, you probably have to increase the frequency of when those meetings take place because you're not regularly connecting with one another, right? So for example, and we actually just had this happen. So we had an employee who got engaged. If everybody's, I know this sounds like a business thing, like what do we care about people getting engaged, right? But it's a huge, huge, important thing. And so uh, this employee got engaged, but there was no real forum for them to be able to walk in and everybody go, hey, look at my ring, right? And I, I can't believe I forgot my wedding ring today. Um, and so, uh, and so um, of all days when I'm referring to a ring, but there was no forum to do that. And then the word to kind of get around. And so it was just, we have a weekly team huddle. And then when you start going around the horn, it was, you know, her opportunity to say, hey, by the way, everybody, I got engaged. If we didn't have that all team, you know, all hands meeting every week, if we didn't pause to say instead of here's all the business things we need to take care of and just say, hey, who has something important to share? You'd miss out on that, right? That would be, no, there'd be no forum for that whatsoever. So, you know, make sure I'd say as, as a leader to carve out time for those one-on-ones, for those group meetings, but don't jam pack the meeting and don't you start blah, blah, blahing and filling up all the time. Give the room an opportunity to breathe. Give people the opportunity to shoot the breeze with one another, to tell jokes with one another, because you have to force that online, right? Because it's not going to happen as much like it used to, you know, in the uh, in the break room or somebody brought in cake or something like that, right? Like as as weird as that sounds, like I was never a big person in terms of hey, somebody's birthday, we all brought in cake, everybody gather around and and grab a, a piece of cake. Like I was never huge into that. But man, that has like been non-existent if everybody's working from home. Like you just can't do it that way. And so I'd say as leaders, we have to force those things into our meetings. When I say force, just make sure you have some extra time and people feel not just permitted, but obligated, right? They feel like they have to have a conversation at the table. Think of it more, they have to have a voice at the table. Think of it more of a round table that everybody plays a role as opposed to you preaching because they're missing out on a lot of those uh, opportunities where you're just able to kick back and, and make friends and stay connected at work. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, David. I know you talk to a lot of business leaders and uh, if that makes sense from your perspective. I would say I couldn't agree more, first of all, Yeah, when you're planning a meeting that sort of, I mean, these are two techniques that I use. One is things will take longer than you expect. So plan to do less than you really think you have time to do. And the other is pay attention to what's going on in the room. And you can actually do a pretty good job of reading people's faces in a Zoom meeting to know whether you should plow forward with your prepared agenda or toss it out and do something else. And I can't tell you how many times I look at people's faces and I realize what's going on and I make an adjustment. So I think that's really important. I mean, you have to do that when you're in person also, but you can, you can do it on a video meeting as well. That's right. And if you're sensing something, you can maybe not in the room ask the person directly, but there's nothing wrong with following up afterwards and just asking them a question and showing them that you care about them and you want them to be involved. That, that's part of it as well. If people don't engage and you don't say anything about it, then they'll probably just assume that you're okay with them not engaging. But, you know, not that 
you every after every single meeting you're like i was keeping track and you only said three things and right you know that that can be overdoing it but making sure you're and again you have to build time in your schedule as well to reach out right manage them by walking around if i walk around in my office here i'm not going to see anybody right who i work with on a full-time basis so you have to do the virtual version of management by walking around and making sure that you're picking up the phone and and reaching out to people as opposed to maybe typing up an email uh, yeah, to them absolutely. that's kind of been the, the interesting thing about all this is with all the new technologies the phone is becoming even more powerful uh because we're missing those opportunities for face-to-face -face. pick up the phone call a friend right dial a friend they'll appreciate it just like writing a, a handwritten note that you drop in the postal mail has a huge impact nowadays because people don't do it. That's right. And there's no junk mail. Right before it was a stack of stuff. Like I go back, I remember when we would get press releases, right? My first job when I was at Jameson Publishing, I was a managing editor and I would just get stacks and stacks of written press releases with photos attached to them, have to open them up and, and send them around. Well, nobody does press releases by paper and photo anymore. And so whoosh, that mail is way down. But yeah, I can tell you when I get a handwritten note, I remember it. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Jim, is there anything else you'd like to share that, that I haven't asked you about um, what's been going on in your life since the last time you were on the show or what's going on in your new role, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, the last time we were on, we were talking about my book, The Walk-On Method to Career and Business Success. And so it's been about a year since the book came out. And I'm glad that I know it's only been a year, but what a year, let's be honest. Um, it's it's, it's been fun. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, withstood the, the, the test of time. In my prior book, I wrote 10 years ago about hiring best practices. And then The Walk-On Method really talks about kind of the kind of person that you'd like to hire and have on your team in terms of somebody who, you know, takes a big shot and they, they make a passion statement, right? They prepare, they practice, they play with passion. They never give up. They embrace obstacles, right? Those things that's held up over, over time. And the one thing that's to me been most interesting is I have business people who read it and they say, this is great. And then they said, the next thing most of them say is, I'm going to give this to my kid because this is the reality of how things actually work. So I guess that makes me feel good that, again, it's not like there's some, you know, bring this conversation full circle. It's not like somebody has some magic code that you have to get access to in, in terms of figuring out success. So from a business person perspective, get the right people on your team, right? Do whatever it takes to get the right people on your team. Keep feeding them and nurturing them and giving them opportunities opportunities to continue to, to take big shots and, and accomplish great things for themselves and their organization. So, you know, especially in this virtual world now where you have to have uh, self-starters and people who you trust, it just ups the ante of hiring people who are high character, not just people who have a, a good resume on paper. Yeah, well said. Jim, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or get in touch with you or access any resources you have, where is the best place for them to go? Sure. So from an RSPA standpoint, you can go to gorspa.org uh, if you want to see uh, my books and access that. It's jimrodycba.com, J-I-M-R-O-D-D-Y. CBA stands for Coach and Business Advisor. It's not that I don't know the alphabet in order, jimrodycba.com. And if anybody wants to uh, uh, find me, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, or you can email me at jim at jimrodycba.com. I'm always happy to talk with folks who can make, uh, make me a little smarter and I can learn their perspective. Jim, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today again on Smashing the Plateau. My guest has been the president and CEO of the Retail Solution Providers Association, Jim Roddy. Thank you again, Jim, for joining us. 
Thank you, David. My pleasure. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. On today's episode, Jim Roddy shares many examples of the benefits of being part of a community of colleagues. We launched the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can experience the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. You'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.